0: Well, good morning, everybody. I was at that award thing. Boy, there was great food. And I was trying to think of what award I might have received there. I think I sort of got the award for being the donkey in the thoroughbred race. I think that's probably what it looked like. So many people doing great stuff thought, my land. This is incredible. Uh, But thank you for saluting your pastor. He's certainly worthy of it. It's a good thing. Has this worship been off the charts today or what? That's so just so good. Sometimes I want to weep. I mean it's hard to respond to the Lord sometimes when you have this kind of mixed thing going through you. Sometimes I just want to stand up here and weep, and other times take my shoes off and throw them somewhere, but I'm afraid of a big liability suit. But you just feel like you'd like to do something physical. How many's ever been frustrated like that? You know, you just you're not quite sure how to respond because you're sure the person next to you may not understand if you just want to yell hallelujah, and you scare the you-know-what out of them, and so you, you just, anybody like that? Yeah. But man, it's flowing and going here today. I, I want to throw you a worship challenge. By the way, salute to all the worship team, you're just over the top today, wonderful. Uh, we're, we're growing as the people of God in this worship thing, and uh, I just want to throw you a challenge. And the challenge would be this, let's, let's continue to grow from celebration, which is certainly a scriptural part of all of this, to the time when um, awe can break out. And that means we stop singing and we don't have anything more to say to God. We're listening for what he's reflecting back to us. And it's so compelling and overwhelming. Anybody in the Bible had a look at God fell on their face. It's just so overwhelming we have nothing more to say after we get out. God, you're great, and when He shows up and says, "Let me show you," then we stop, and from there on, all comes. And I, I tell you, in my lifetime of ministry, I've only been in, in one hand and at a time. One time, a space of an entire hour, with with more than two thousand people, and no one moved for an hour in a Pentecostal Charismatic gathering. That is a miracle. Because charismatics have loose lips, and so they'll flap them. And for some, I mean, somebody's going to prophesy or groan or grunt, or a baby's going to cry. But for a whole hour, we, I, I've stretched, 58 minutes. There was not a sound. And uh, when, when that lifted, it was in a camp meeting for the Assemblies of God. And when that lifted off from us, people started standing up and say, You know, I've, I've had spinal arthritis for 15 years. And all of my pain disappeared while we're sitting here. And you see, when God's great, we don't need any more help. He'll just do his stuff. And we had more than an hour of testimony, unsolicited, of people that had been touched. So I just want to challenge you with that. Let's keep going where we're going and keep praising God. But I'll tell you, some morning God's going to flip a switch here or night. and We're going to step over to some other dimension where we've never been before. How many are hungry for that? Okay? I mean, I love what we're doing. I'm not, this not a put down at all. I love what we're doing. I just know that we're headed somewhere where we haven't been yet. It is going to be really, really good. Well, thank you for receiving me uh, 10 years. I do come with some risks, and uh, <laughs> some repairs are needed when I come through sometimes. But uh, we love your church. We pray for you often in between visits. We're many times on the phone to your pastor and emailing and all that. Uh, to stay in touch so we know how to pray for you and pray specifically into what the Lord's doing at the moment. And how many have a sense we're in a pretty good season at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, just good, good things are afoot. So let's keep believing God and uh, tell you the harvest is on. It's not going to get ready to be on. It's on all over the world. Uh, I've never seen anything quite like it. Last year in our local church at home, more than 12,000 people received Christ as Savior in the altars of our... I did say 12,000 that we have a record of, and it's just unprecedented uh, what, what the Lord is doing. So the harvest is on. It's not in the making. It's on. And uh, I just pray that this great anointing that's on this house for worship and prayer and so on will continue in an increasing way to manifest itself in the harvest. How many think it has to go there? It, it has to go there. God doesn't. want to get us beyond just feeling good and being blessed to where we're effective for him. So bless you today. It's all good. Hallelujah. Family's good. Glory is good. Jesus is good. I'm trying to be good. It's all good. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 17, please. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you. There's a hunger in this house uh, to embrace your word at every level at which it comes to us. We pray that there will be ongoing revelation of your word in this house because what we don't need is information. What we're, what's essential need is revelation. And so we ask for that today. Whatever sliver of holy understanding needs to be in this house, we just say, Jesus, come, bring it, and help us all to receive it, just to hear it and receive it. And I'm going to thank you for that because you want that in us. And you pledge that towards us, a revelation of who you are and what you want. We thank you for it. And everybody in the room, set? Amen. Amen. This little story, Matthew chapter 17, the first eight verses, is repeated in Luke chapter 9. And that's repeated in Mark chapter 9 in different forms. So I'm going to plod through a few verses here and stand them up against Luke's record as well. We could do either one. They both adequately describe what happened. And I, I just really want to bring a couple of very simple things that are obvious here to you and dwell on them for a couple of minutes because they're germane to how we live for the Lord today. <clears throat> Bible says here in the Matthew record that after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and went off by themselves. Luke says they went up to the mountain to pray. And he was transfigured, before them and his face shone like the sun and his garments became uh, white like light. Luke said while he was praying his face changed and his clothing became white, whiter than any fuller or launderer could make them. How many know white goods in any family it's nice if they remain white? And uh, some kinds of detergents turn white shirts gray. How many have noticed that? Some of you men need white. And, and, And so on. In fact we have beautiful uh, 1,000 line uh, sheets on our bed at home, whatever 1,000 line means. It means I paid more than the last batch I bought. Uh, But uh, I think that's what it means. But uh, they're supposed to be white. And the other day, I was helping my wife and uh, get those big sheets on that bed, and they look gray to me. And I said, is the light wrong in this room at the moment? This sheet doesn't look like the one I bought. She said, it's changed color. I said, when did that happen? She said, over the last few laundries. Well, what happened here, whatever the disfiguration of wear and tear and laundry did, that was all reversed, and something of heaven came on the physical garments of Jesus. He was transfigured before them, and his clothing became light, white as light. That's pretty white and pretty light, isn't it? And behold, there appeared to them Moses, appeared to them, Peter, James, and John, Moses, and Elijah talking with him, the references to Jesus. So Moses and Elijah show up, and Peter, James, and John saw them. Now, we don't know how they discerned it was Moses and Elijah. One suggestion might be that Jesus called them by name. That would be the simplest thing, but the text anywhere you look, Mark, Luke, or Matthew, doesn't say. So I would assume that Jesus probably called them by name because that would be a polite thing to do. If you're talking to someone, Jim, how are you, to say a name? Would that not be? Just courteous. So that's probably the way. It's conjecture, but it's probably the way. And uh, the Luke record says about this, they were talking with him, and Luke says they were talking with him about his departure from Jerusalem, which he was soon to accomplish, which meant his death and his burial and his resurrection. And then the the, the Matthew record says, uh, And Peter answered and said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Now, let's just pause for a moment, because Peter knew how to talk at the wrong time. As you're reading through this text, and Peter answered and said, Excuse me, no one had asked him anything. Do you notice? Jesus is the feature here. That was my great joy in all that was sung here today, is Jesus was so centerpiece. I love that. I get, I, get off the, I get off the wagon when all the songs are I, me, and mine. But I get right back on it when I hear about Jesus in the middle of stuff. So good. So Jesus is the feature of this chapter. He, Jesus, was transfigured before them. Moses and Elijah are talking to him, but Peter had to flap his lips. And I think the Luke or Mark record says about this, Peter didn't know what to do, so he took to talking. Well, if we had been there, we could have given Peter a prophetic word. Shut up. That would have been an amazing word at that moment. How many think that would have been a right word? Just, what are you doing flapping your lips when the glory of God, the, Mo and Elijah shows up here, and you have, you've got to be talking in the middle of this. Lord, it's good for us to be here. We have to be, we, we should be in the tabernacle business. This is how freaky this would be. Tom, I want to tell you that, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to go to the car races this afternoon. And answered, Tom answered and said, the sun will rise tomorrow at 5.31 a.m. We're talking about the blinking car races. I don't need to know about the sunrise. That's how far away from this. And the Bible says, and while he was yet speaking, Peter, loose lips, Peter, while he's yet speaking, what happened? A cloud appeared. Now, with all this phenomena going on, you know, when we read a text, it's one level. Okay? But, I mean, there's real stuff going on here. I know you're real calm Minnesotans, you're cool. I mean, literally, in every sense, you're cool here. Uh, but, folks, wait a minute. After 1,200 years, Moses shows up talking. That'd probably get my attention. C- come on, I know you're cool, but how many think it might stir you a little bit that Moses is in the house? Well, in this case, on the mountain, but he's, he's, he's there. And then, who else? His sidekick is Elijah. You might, you might, you know, you you might, well, maybe you wouldn't, I don't know, but uh, (laughs) our Californians would be saying, whoopee for Jesus at this point. Then this cloud shows up, a real cloud, and this cloud's not just some nebulous thing, this is the glory of God, and then there's voices talking, a voice. Now we're hearing things. Clouds, two old prophets, Jesus, clouds. And now, voices. How many think by now you might be paying attention to what's going on here? And this voice, while Peter's still flapping his lips about temple building, this voice says, this is my son, listen to him. At which Peter, thank God, finally stopped and fell on his face. And the others with him because they were afraid. And Jesus said, stand up. Stand up. Don't don't be afraid. Stand up. And when they opened their eyes and looked, they saw Jesus alone. It's about Jesus I want to talk today. Because at the end of our singing and our studying and our praying and our weeping, that's who you get. And he's enough. He's enough. Now let's just walk through this section just a little bit because uh, uh, let's do some timelines. Moses is over here, I think safe to say, 12 or 13 centuries before Christ. Somewhere in there. So here he appears in the present tense, 1,300 or 1,200 years later, alive and walking and visible, talking to Jesus. And then Elijah is probably seven or 800 years before Christ, and he has transcended the timeline, and he's over here talking to Jesus. Live. Disciples can see him, see them, both talking to Jesus, from that long time forward. And the content of that conversation, we find out from Luke, is about his departure, about his death, burial, and resurrection. So how many think Moses could have safely had some things to say to Jesus about the Exodus? At least a report. Hmm? Lord, we just want to remind you that a cool thing happened in the desert. They're dead, we're alive, great stuff happened out there. Water, really good. And thank you, and stuff fell out of heaven for years. It was wonderful. And I want to tell you about that. Now, he could have said all that, but that was not the content of what he had to say to Jesus. It was about the work of Jesus. And Elijah could have talked about miracles and the fire on Mount Carmel and all the stuff, and the chariots of fire, but his discussion was only towards Jesus. When Abraham's not in this picture, but let's go further back, 18 centuries before Christ or so, and talk about Abraham, of which the New Testament said, he longed to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So the focus on Abraham wasn't even the deliverance of God's people. It had to do with the work of Jesus, what Jesus was doing and what Jesus was saying. And what I want to bring to you just briefly is this, is in this context of prophets showing up at some time different than when they lived and when they, di- when they worked, you get to this. You get to this. Uh, the Bible says in the New Testament that the time will come when time shall be no more. That's going to be a gift to us because God lives in a state that's very different than ours. He is not, he is not pressed upon by this little dinky thing. But we are. We are. Oh, come on, we are. Okay? And it's to create order. I mean, there's great benefits to time, but but when we bring the cultural understanding of time to church, it afflicts us. It doesn't help us. Here's why. You'll hear people say, "Well, they probably won't say it after I make this rude remark." But uh, <coughs> in the lobby of the church, we got to hurry home. Now, you think that remark through. Is your house headed somewhere down the street this afternoon? Is it have wheels under it? Is it going? Is someone hooked the tractor up to it? Give it a jerk and take it someplace. We have to hurry home. Why would you have to do that? It's culture that puts that sense of frenzy, because when you get home, it'll be just like you left it. There's dirty socks on the John floor. Whoop, I hit a nerve. I better go on. What else do I need to say here? I travel a great deal. We have to hurry and get to the airport. Why? Airplanes never leave early. And I can tell you, because I am an expert flyer, I know who frequent flyers are, and I certainly know who is not. You know how you know? How soon they line up and how much baggage they show up with. Infrequent travelers move when they go places. They put their dehydrated relatives in their suitcases. Come to the. It is unbelievable the amount of stuff that comes to the airport. How in the world could people take a, because they might need it? In which century? Not this one. Well, and you know, thirty minutes before there's any announcement, people start standing up for an airplane that won't leave early, and they have a seat pass. Why would you hurry? It's going to be out. You can't take a 747 and throw it over the fence. It's going to be out there. Oh, we have to hurry and get line. Why? You're going to sit down for 14 hours. Why would you have to be? A... You want to do and turn their heads around and put them back on because going this way, it doesn't work. We have to hurry and eat. Why? So you can go home and treat your gas problem? You know? We have, to, we have to hurry, hurry we 've got why, and guess what friends it 's kind of fun, but we bring that mindset to church. if God doesn 't show up in a certain frame that we 've set we 're switched off, even if our body 's still there we 've switched off. Thank you for your warm response. Let me put it this way because the clock tyrannizes us. Let me put it this way. This is a generous church for missions, by the way, which you give today. We are continuing to help medically in Japan. The problem is enormous there, and it has not gone away. It's enormous, and it continues. As well as, we've been blessed with an English foundation uh, with another 400,000 doses of cholera. That's going into Haiti. And the next 90 days or so, I've just notified our office Friday, I believe we just need to turn our hearts towards home here in the U.S. because uh, tremendous flooding today right down the Mississippi basin. And uh, the tornadoes that went through the south a few days ago uh, is going to require 10,000 new houses just to look after that. And we don't even know the end of this flood thing yet, and that's probably another few thousand houses as well. So uh, somewhere in that mix is where your offerings are going to go. So you're going to bless a lot of people today, and we appreciate it very, very much. Okay, now I got lost talking about missions. What was I talking about, Tom? Oh, about time. That's what I'm not going to do is hurry. <clears throat> so in the light of all these, this, this, this real neat stuff I've just shared with you, if I had permission of the elders and the offerings, in, so, so don't worry, just leave your wallets where they are and all that. I'm not here drumming for more money. But if I had permission, it wouldn't be any problem at all to raise five or 10000 for a broken person down south or somebody in Haiti or whatever because our hearts are, are towards the nations in this, in this church. So it wouldn't be hard to do that. But if I threw a different request out and I ask everybody in this room that's an attender here to pray 20 minutes a day for in-gathering in St. Paul for the next 100 days, there'd hardly be any response. Because you'll pay to have someone do ministry. But you won't sign up yourself at the same level. How do we know? Because time is a throne on which we sit. And it's a subtle influence in how we respond to God i better just let that balloon sail over. But it's absolutely the fact. Now, what's in this text is this. These men, what we see when we get into that realm, and how many know Jesus is able to pass from one realm to another because he's the son of God? Remember, after the resurrection, he shows up in a room without the benefit of the door. Wouldn't that be cool, right? You guys like anything supernatural, or you just have to have it all in the lab and watch it happen here? Wouldn't it be wonderful if Jesus just walked through there and just... That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? So that's that glorious body. So we don't know a lot about the heavenly realm. We don't. We know some things, and some of the stuff in Revelation's hard to get. You know, gold streets, and it'd be just nice to have some here in Minneapolis without holes in them, and say nothing to gold in them. I, I mean, I drove over here with Tom today in his little car, and I was afraid that you know we we're going to disappear. Nobody'd find us. It just would go down there, and you know, probably India'd show up. It'd be. But what we see here in this glimpse is timelessness. Because Moses died, the Bible says he died, and God buried him. We've never found out where, but he's certainly not dead in the book of Luke or the book of Matthew. He's alive and well. Revelation 15, when we get in the heavenlies, we're going to sing the songs of Moses. So he's in the music business at the moment. Writing music for us to sing later. So says Revelation. He will sing the songs of Moses. Now, Elijah didn't die. Chariots of fire, that was a pretty neat way to go to the Lord, wasn't it? Hmm? Uh, none of you have ever planned a funeral like that. I'm just going to pray, and there's, you know the atmosphere is going to fill up with chariots of fire, and with us, it'd probably be a Lexus SUV would do just fine with flames on the hood or, you know, a Chevy with chrome hubs or something. And we're just going to have that happen, and God took him, we don't know where, but in the heavenlies, that he shows up alive and well in the same time dimension. Everybody following the reasoning here? Got to get your head around this one this morning. They, they see themselves, we see them through the eyes of Scripture, in the same time dimension with Jesus in the present tense, yet at least 1,200 years before, at least 800 years before, and both of them living come forward to the moment that Jesus is there. It stirs me to know that no matter when my body may go in the ground, the day's coming when I'm going to stand with them on that same timeline because the Bible says we'll come to a moment when time shall be no more. There'll be no need for it. We'll be in the presence of the eternal God and live with him. That's going to be a great day, isn't it? None more, No more tyranny of this having to hurry someplace. I've got to hurry and go to the store. Is it moving? Is the river rising? Are we having floods in this town tomorrow? You know, when Gloria and I moved to Texas, <clears throat> I love the Texas, they kind of have their own culture in Texas. And and I, I love going, I love going to Texas. But we had just moved there, and we didn't quite know the culture, and I went to the store to get a few things. We just moved into our house. We didn't have our pantry full or anything. And Bubba is in front of me in the store. Bubba has a big belt, big belly, cowboy boots, and a hat. And driving a pickup truck. That's Bubba. He's got two carts and they are just loaded and I had about two things you know on my basket and he looked around he said man is that all y'all buying and I said well yeah because we're I mean we're out in the aisles we're not at the checkout he said well haven't you heard I said what he said a storm's a coming I said from where he said from out west I said well I said, I just moved here. I, I really haven't been watching the weather. We haven't ever had it plugged in yet. Oh, man, it's coming. It's going to be terrible. He said, it's going to be an ice storm. I said, an ice storm. Okay. <clears throat> well, uh, he said, man, you're going to die if you don't have more food than that. <laughs> I thought, Bubba, you could hibernate till next spring, and you'd be fine. You know, <laughs> You're going to die if you don't get more food. And I said, well, how long do you reckon this storm's going to last? I'm telling you, sir. He said, you could be in your house. Man, you could be in there for two days. I said, two days. Yes, sir. Terrible. Power may be out, too. Y'all have a fireplace, too. Well, you'll make it, then. You better get yourself some food, man. Two days locked up. He had enough to feed four armies. I believe there was a steer in one of those carts. It just, but you know, and I had some bologna and cheese. You're gonna die. You need to get some food in here. (laughs) You got to hurry to the store. It might move. And we bring that to church. Okay, God, you, you, I'm leaving at noon, so you better. It's ridiculous. Those that wait upon the Lord. Redo their strength. They run and don't get worn out. They can soar and fly and not get exhausted because they've waited for him. You know, I preached at a camp meeting in Alaska. First Sunday of the year, it starts for five days. And who knows what's going to happen. We prepared and prayed. They had prepared and prayed. We did not leave church one night before 12 o'clock. Not one night. And I'll tell you why. Hungry people chase God. And I want to hang around hungry people. There was no reason to leave. You didn't want to leave. When God shows up in that kind of power and influence, you just want to hang around with God for a while. And the longer you soak, the better it gets. And I'll tell you, almost every night, the best stuff was at the very end. The very end. And one morning, we had a healing meeting, and, and I didn't pray for any sick people. We just read the scripture and worship for two and a half hours, and there were 13 bona fide miracles without hands being laid on anybody, not human hands. But other, why? Because people were hungry. And so time became not consequential. You know, I'm not trying to press the point unduly. I just think you and I, as Americans with our busy mindset, need to ask for deliverance from tyranny of the cloth. When we come to this house, put your watch in your pocket. Put it in your purse and say, okay, God, I'm here. I'm here to meet with you. I'm not here to get a dose or a touch or a blessing. I'm here to commune with you as long as it takes. And for as long as you want, we're just going to hang out for a while. Okay. Well, what about eating? Well, stick something in your wallet. Stick something in your purse. You know, get some health food that makes your eyes go, <tree> after you eat it. And, and power bars or whatever they are that zing you up a little bit. Just pack one of those down and uh, you'll make it. You, you might live. You know, you, you, and then when you're done being blessed, you can hurry to a restaurant. <laughs> to offend your stomach. The second thing that I see here that's wonderful is this, is the whole concept of human death and burial and all, is stood, it's, it's put on its head. Because Moses and Elijah are seen alive and talking. They're coherent. They can reason with Jesus. So for those that have lost loved ones, and I have and so have many of you in the room that have been precious to us, and it's especially difficult if someone is taken suddenly from us and... Uh, we, we don't understand those things often, sometimes years later, sometimes never. That death here has no hold on Jesus, First Corinthians 15. He's going to reign until all of his enemies are under his feet. They become his footstool. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. How is that? Hmm? That's the promise of Jesus. Now, I just want to bring this to some kind of a conclusion sometime this afternoon. Because uh, <laughs> we have to hurry and eat, you know. <laughs> No, we don't. We don't. With this, when Moses and Elijah are in conversation with Jesus, the focus, as I mentioned earlier, is not about the events that happened under their ministry. The focus is going forward. So I just want to remind you that all the roads in the Old Testament lead to what Jesus is doing and what he's done. Everything the prophets were about was not in and of themselves an end. It wasn't a cul-de-sac into which we should go theologically and just meditate on the great stuff and the fire fell on the prophets of Baal and all of that. It's all wonderful faith-building stories, but it's not the end game. The end game is Jesus and what he has done. And what I want to challenge you with this morning is is already what we've sung, well sung, beautifully sung, and God honored it, is that our whole focus is is not on tongue-speaking or on giftedness or all things that, that have value in and of themselves. But our predominating mindset is to be intimate with Jesus. To know him better than ever, and especially in the chaotic days we live today, is to be sure we're not hung up on some doctrine we like, and we've nursed it all these years. I have a friend over in Texas, and maybe it's Oklahoma, and he doesn't want to talk about anything except revelation and prophecy. That's it. And every time an Arabic tank backfires, he knows Armageddon has begun. And, and, and he's, the, he's the most unhappy guy I know. And I said to him one day, his name is Gary. I said to him, you know, Gary, uh, you're really into this prophecy. Oh, man, I'm reading everything I can get my hands on. You know, you guys need to be preaching more about Revelation and the, the beast. And that really turns your crank, doesn't it? The beast. I'm going to come to church and hear about the beast. Well, it's, it's, okay. I knew one church where the beast lived, as a matter of fact. But uh, <clears throat> come and hear about the beast, you know. And I said, let, let me tell you my concern about you. And I've known this guy 20 years. He said, what? I said, there's two things I've noticed about your life. Because all these 20 years, man, he only wants to talk about Armageddon and who's going to fight and who's going to win and how deep the blood's running and, you know, really encouraging stuff, right? You're trying to eat a rare hamburger. He's talking about blood up to the horses, you know. So this is not fun. And I says, two things I've noticed about your life across 20 years. Okay, man, hit, hit me with it. I said, you don't have any joy because you're not fixed on Jesus, you're fixed on teaching. Your, your life is not attached to Jesus. If it was, he produces joy. That's a natural consequence of being intimate with Jesus. That grows inside of you. And I said, secondarily, when have you won a soul to Jesus? He said, I don't reckon I ever have. I said, what a disappointment for heaven and those to whom you were assigned who never heard the gospel because in your mind you're worried about Armageddon and who, where the U.S. is going to be and how we're involved with wars. I said, look, all of that has a place, but if you miss Jesus after a lifetime in his house, you've missed the whole deal. This I know, and it's not fatalism. If I'm in relationship with Jesus, he's going to bring me through whatever the prophetic scheme is Out the end here. He's going to bring it out right. He's the controller of his church. Re- the book of Revelation is the revelation of himself related to the end time. Not all these bits and pieces. We miss that if we miss seeing well, That's why he's at the front of that book. He's there with his eyes like flames of fire. If you miss that, who's in the lake of fire? I don't know. Janet Reno. I, she's swimming. I don't know who's down there. You know, Henry's probably next to her. I don't know. Who do you think the is going to be? Is it the Pope? That poor old guy couldn't candidate for anything. The poor can hardly walk. Antichrist, I don't think so. Can you hear the Antichrist speaking Italian? Come on, get over that. And why, why should we lay awake night worried about such matters? We can't control those. I want to focus, focus on the things that I can manage in my life, and one is, I can say to my heart, 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 You will have no other appetite except serving, loving, and knowing Jesus. That is your, I'm not going to let you go anywhere else except towards him. Because I know he's led this church through 2,000 years of havoc and prosperity, both ends. He's going to lead it all the way to triumph and victory. And if we're part of that righteous, redeemed company, we're going to follow him through the golden gates one day. I know that to be the fact. Who's fighting? with? I don't know, and I don't care. When God gets finished breathing out of his nostrils, the enemies of God will be handled. It'll be all right. I don't have to fight all that. I have to fight with my flesh. Fight with my human appetites. So we ourselves that love Jesus don't become castaways. Come on, how many know the big battle is not the devil? It's, our, it's here and here. Our flesh yelling for satisfaction at whatever level. And so even the Old Testament prophets, and, and when the disciples... The cloud lifted and they looked, they just saw Jesus alone. That is exactly the point of the transfiguration, is even though these men were great in history and great in the Bible, I love both studying both of their lives. They were both tremendously used by God. That was not the focus of that conversation that day. The focus was what Jesus was about to do, how important it was. So all the way from centuries before, Jesus came physically to minister The concern on the heart of God was not the exodus and the events on Mount Carmel and chariots of fire. The concern from heaven was about God's good son dying for the sins of everybody and being resurrected out of that tomb. I think that's the loud message here in the transfiguration stories, is that Jesus has to be paramount. I like to hear him sung about. I like to hear him talked about. I like to go to conferences where he's on everybody's lips, Jesus. Not how big your church is or what the budget is or where you've traveled. I want to hear about what Jesus is doing. I want to hear about what you've heard from him recently. I want to hear about who met him recently. Hallelujah. Is this making any sense to you today? In fact, wherever you're at, even if you're a guest among us, I want you to raise your heart and give God some praise. However you give God a praise, you just do it right now. Go ahead. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Lord, I want to pray a corporate prayer this morning. Please forgive us for being occupied with a lot of good religious stuff that could be defined as trivia. Nice, but not essential. Enjoyable, but not mainstream. Good in their own senses, but yet not producing the kind of fruit, ultimately, that you want. We don't want to be like children that just turn wherever wherever they hear music played. We want to be the true sons and daughters of the living God. Because nobody anywhere has paid a price like Jesus paid. Nobody has done what Jesus has done. He's the only one of a kind, your scripture says. We believe that this morning in this house. And Jesus, going forward, we pray for our hearts today as people of God and those that care about God, that you will take us to new places in you, that we'll be be on a journey of endless discovery of the nature and character and life of Jesus, that your name will be on our lips We'll be singing songs with your name in it. When we talk to people about who you are and how good you are, we won't be ashamed because we really know what you're like and who you are. And that that releases faith in us to speak about you with confidence. It's not if you're good. You're good. It's not maybe you'll help. You will. And so we can speak with certainty and with faith about you. And out of that, out of that, will come the attractiveness of who Jesus is. Thank you that Moses saw you and Elijah could talk to you in the present tense. So can we. Thank you for that. Dear Jesus, thank you for yourself. When we get to heaven, we don't just want to see our kin that have gone before us. We want to see you. You're the centerpiece of that heavenly city. We want to see you first above all. If others, we engage great, but... If we don't see you, heaven will be a disappointment, and it won't be because you're the center of that city. Thank you. Thank you. Pray with me, church, just for a moment. The last couple of days I've been thinking and meditating about being with you in these moments. It it just became very clear to me, very clear, including this morning, a few minutes here in the prayer area with some others. I just could only pray one thing, and what I've been praying, what God dropped into my spirit, is really simple and it's this. There's at least one person in this room today that needs to make a commitment to Christ. You haven't started a life with Christ. You haven't. And that person would be a gentleman, as a matter of fact. And uh, my remarks here is not to make anybody uneasy. It's just to come to it. Here's what Bethel is about. Bethel is about connecting people to Jesus. And once that connection is made, to help that grow and to nurture it so we can become Christ-like. That's what this whole house all these ministries are about. The bottom line is about making connections and relationship with Jesus, and the full dimension of that. And here's how that gets started. If we believe Jesus is the Christ in our heart, we confess with our mouth that he's the Lord and we're sinners, we believe that and confess that, he'll come to us. It's that simple, but there has to be integrity on our side. We have to believe that and confess it. He'll come to us. And that's the start of something wonderful. It's the most reasonable thing Look, we're not bringing a thing to him, man. We cannot be righteous by ourselves. You've tried it, so have I. Can't get there. We need help. And that help is Jesus. That help is Jesus. And so uh, I just want to call you to it today. And if you've come to the house of God and you're really sincere about serving Jesus, you really are, and you're just straight up on us, we're going to stand in a moment. In fact, Tom going to ask you to come and stand right here. This is my friend Tom. He's going to stand right here. And if you're really honest with God, I want to get started and get going. I want you to come right here and just meet with Tom just so you can pray and get this whole thing going. If you're a backslider, I want you to come. And don't hold back and say, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't, no, no. Don't, don't go through all those mind games. If you're here and your heart's been stirred up, and you, what Jesus has done is precious to you and is important to you, and it is, because there is no other name under heaven by which a person can be saved. Accept that name of Jesus. You come right here to Tom. He'll greet you. He's standing here, so you're not alone here at the front. We'll pray with you as well if you like. Let's all stand. If you want to respond, I want you to come right now, really quick, before we sing anything and change up. Dale, that's me. I, I want to get my life turned on to Jesus. Come on, right now. If you're here, sir, I, I can't tell you how, I, how deeply I've been burdened for you for the last three days. Some one of, of the gentlemen in this room needs to be here talking to Tom right now. Come on, man. Don't hold back. Don't carry out of here the burden you came in here with. Come down right now. Right now. Anyone? We're just making it easy for you. We'll just wait about thirty seconds or so. Wanna be sure you have opportunity. Anybody, anybody, anybody. I believe the Spirit of God's searching over this. Well, you don't know what I've done, I know, but God does. He knows how to forgive it, whatever that is. Anyone, anyone. Saints of God pray. Somebody's in Decision Valley. Anyone, anyone. We're waiting. We're not pressing. We're waiting. We're waiting. Just come right here to the front. Amen. Come somebody wants. Thank you, darling. Anyone else? Yes, Tom will pray with you, darling. Anyone else? Just another moment. What are we doing here? Membership? No. We're doing relationship. It's the time to get connected to Christ. Time to renew and refresh your relationship. Anyone else, the Lord is talking to your heart. I bid you come. I pray you come. Anyone else, you can leave here different than you came in. Just come right now. Just come right now. In a moment, this team's going to lead us in worship. going to change up. Anyone else? I'm so burdened over this. I'm just going to pray over the whole house, then Pastor Jim is going to come and conclude the service in his own way. Please, everyone in the house, pray after me. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Cleanse me and make me clean. I accept your salvation. And I give you my life afresh right now. Come into me, Lord Jesus. And take over my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you want to talk to us, you come after. We'll linger here in the front. Pastor.
1: Normally at this point in the service, I would pronounce a benediction blessing prayer over you as a congregation. And I certainly do bless you today. let have this strong sense, though, that... We're to complete the service this morning by simply blessing Jesus and honoring Him today. So would you lift up your hands one more time, please. And together, let us bless the Lord our God, our King and Master. Whatever words you choose to use in the tongues of men and the tongues of angels in your heart language, whatever that language is, Would you lift up the name of Jesus and would you bless Him this morning? This is His house. Bless Him today, people of God. Come on. More blessing. Rise up. Do not be silent. Do not let the stones cry out. Cry out yourself. Blessing to the King of